Mike McDonald will be linking back up with a former apprentice with the Seattle Seahawks. We'll be breaking it all down on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined as always, and he's back in his normal surroundings by co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening down in Houston, Texas, or in Puerto Rico. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're going to be taking a close look at one of the biggest names on Seattle's free agent list. Will Bobby Wagner be back for a 13th season with the Seahawks? And then we're going to be diving into some defensive draft prospects for the Michigan Wolverines that may have some significant connections to Seattle's new head coach, Mike McDonald. It's a jam-packed episode coming courtesy of Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Now for your lead story here on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. It seems by day that we are finding out more information on how Mike McDonald is continuing to build his first coaching staff. And lately, there's been a bit of a diversion back towards more experienced assistant coaches. But we had the exact opposite yesterday. A familiar name for Mike McDonald, Josh Bynes set to make his leap from playing to the sidelines as a coach had a 12-year career in the NFL after going undrafted out of Auburn and Rob you and I were talking about this actually before the show the Seahawks have another undrafted linebacker on their roster that's been a multi-time pro bowler on special teams and Nick Bloor. Josh Bynes to me is a more talented version of Nick Bloor. when you look back at his NFL career over 580 tackles in his career. He played a lot of defensive snaps. He started more than half, than half the games he played in his NFL career. Three different stints with the Baltimore Ravens. That tells you all you need to know about the respect John Harbaugh, Mike McDonald, and the rest of that staff had for this man. And so it shouldn't be a surprise that his first coaching opportunity is going to come with Mike McDonald in Seattle. Yeah, it was only a couple of years ago Mike McDonald was coaching Josh Bynes, who uh, you know was playing just a, a few years ago for the Baltimore Ravens. His third, as you mentioned, his third stop in Baltimore. That's why he's basically considered almost a legend uh, in, in Baltimore, which is kind of surprising when you look at the statistics. I mean, they certainly are going to pale in comparison to like a, a superstar like the Seahawks have um, in Bobby Wagner and, and in Jordan Brooks, and and even in Baltimore's star free agent. Patrick Queen. But I, I think that what really stands out about Josh Bynes, I love the fact that you mentioned Nick Bellore. It's just the, the heart for the game. It's the toughness, the physicality. Um, the, Josh Bynes was an undrafted free agent at Auburn. He helped the Auburn Tigers win a national championship years ago. He, he might be most famous um, in Baltimore lore because he was the one that secured the Ravens Super Bowl victory. That would be Super Bowl 47, the year before the Seahawks won their Super Bowl. 
Josh Bynes was the guy that actually tackled Ted Ginn Jr. in the open field on a free kick to basically seal that victory. So you, you mentioned Nick Ballore. Um, I'll, I'll mention a, another player, the, um, the, the former Seahawk linebacker, uh, whose name is now escaping me from TCU and plays with the New Orleans Saints. David Hawthorne. Uh, David Hawthorne. And that he was a kind of a, a stubby, productive football player who, again, was an undrafted free agent, but but played with such heart, such instinct, such physicality. And that's exactly the traits that Mike McDonald um, is obviously going to prioritize in this uh, you know move here to Seattle. And, you know, Corbin, one of the things that we have talked about um, is the fact that Mike McDonald had not brought over that many, uh, you know, of his assistant coaches from Baltimore. Obviously, Leslie Frazier um, had some experience with him in, in Baltimore. And then, of course, the special teams coordinator, Jay Har uh, Harbaugh, Jay Harbaugh, who previously had been with his father, Jim, at Michigan, with his uh, uncle, John, in Baltimore as well. They followed Mike McDonald to Seattle. But this is the third version of it. And this, is, again, is not a former coach. As you mentioned, this is a former player. Um, but it's something that Pete Carroll, of course, had a great deal of success with bringing former players um, and helping them become coaches in the NFL. And now the Seahawks and Mike McDonald doing the exact same thing here with Josh Bynes. I'm, I'm excited about the decision. Yeah, this is a natural connection because this isn't just an instance where Mike McDonald is bringing in an assistant that he has worked with in Baltimore. We are talking about a player that he had a hands-on connection with in two different stints, stints with two different positions in Baltimore. When Bynes was with the Ravens in 2019 and he started seven games that year at inside linebacker, Mike McDonald was the linebacker's coach at that point. He had previously been the secondary coach. He'd been a defensive assistant. He had worked his way up to that role. And Josh Bynes was one of the first players that he had the opportunity to coach up. And, and he had a really solid season starting a handful of games and contributing on special teams. But you are talking about a guy who has an incredible football IQ. Everybody that I've talked to that has either played with Josh Bynes or has played against him, they rave about this guy's football acumen. And so clearly that makes him a natural pick to just be able to jump right in and be able to coach the linebacker position. And we talk about Mike McDonald. If I am Josh Bynes, I'm also excited about the opportunity as an assistant linebacker coach. I get to work with, with Kirk Olivadotti, who has coached more than a decade in the NFL at a very high level with linebackers. So you are getting a different perspective that you never had as a player. He never played for Olivadotti with either Washington or Green Bay. He was with other teams. And so this will be his first exposure to a different style of coaching, a different style of teaching, one that is very effective, though. And so if you are looking for a situation where a first-time coach just coming off the field. I mean, he literally retired in December of 2023. He didn't play at all last year, but nobody had reached out, so he reached the verdict. It's time to hang up my cleats. This will be his first chance. If you're looking for an opportunity where you can be most successful and maximize that, who better to learn from than a familiar name like Mike McDonald, who you already were coached by multiple times in the NFL, and Kirk Olivadotti, who has as good of a reputation as any linebacker coach in the league. This really sets up favorably for a coach that I think has a chance to ascend the ladder very quickly, given all the experience he had on the field and just his overall football acumen and mindset. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, it's kind of funny. Sometimes you'll see uh, almost like a form of nepotism in, in the NFL and really in any coaching staffs, you know. But the the fact that Josh Bynes decided to go, again, across the entire country to the Seattle Seahawks and reunite with Mike McDonald, he was given an interview for a coaching position with the Baltimore Ravens, again, coached by John Harbaugh, of course, who's, who has been the head coach the whole time that Josh Bynes was with the with the Ravens as a player. And then the, the other coaching opportunity opportunity that he had the interview opportunity he had was with Jim Harbaugh now of course the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers and again Bynes decided to go with Mike McDonald over the you know the the two uh, head coaches out there who are going to know an awful lot about him in, in the two Harbaugh brothers. So again, I think it just kind of sets up with uh, or goes along with the idea that we've talked about uh, since the Seahawks made the move to bring Mike McGon- Mike McDonald to the, the Seahawks as their their head coach is is that it, it was a focus on character. It was a focus in on on the family type of situation here, and that's what again one of the reasons why I'm excited about the move from a Seahawks perspective because they. Are are getting a, a bright young coaching mind that that is clear but it also is it, it just kind of shows the character uh that uh, you know that the Seahawks are trying to instill here and you're going to have a really nice unique blend as far as the style and experience of coaches whoever ends up being at linebacker for the Seahawks right now we have no idea who's going to be playing in that position but you're going to have a seasoned coach like Oliver Dottie you're going to have Mike McDonald being able to check in on the linebackers, but he's obviously going to have a lot bigger fish to fry as a head coach. But then you've also got a guy in Josh Bynes who just recently was out there hitting people still. And that provides a unique perspective, especially if they've got rookie linebackers coming in, somebody that has been there, done that recently. That is going to be another perspective I think is going to be invaluable in this defense. So again, I think that this is a hire that has a chance to potentially catapult Josh Bynes up the coaching ladder very quickly if he is able to do what many believe he's going to do in this position, learning from some really good coaches who have been around the block for a year or two here on the Seahawks staff. And as we'll talk about on tomorrow's show, just a little bit of a sneak peek for our Wednesday episode, there might be another thing that's really exciting about Josh Bynes joining the Seahawks staff as well. We'll touch on that on tomorrow's episode, though. First, We mentioned who's going to be at linebacker. Bobby Wagner is going to be a free agent on March 13th. Is there a chance that he is going to be back for a 13th season, a 12th year in a Seahawks uniform? We'll be diving in our latest latest free agency preview coming up next year on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry or start ripping your hair out when you buy tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They offer killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and with their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. If you want to see the Seattle Kraken at Climate Pledge Arena as they try to get back to the playoffs, Thanks to Game Time's awesome flash deals feature and a detailed stadium map, you can find excellent seats to watch the Kraken at home for under $115. It's super easy. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And Game Time's guarantee means you'll always get 
the very best price. If you find it in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate your support. It's time to shift back towards free agency. To this point, we've looked at Jordan Brooks, Leonard Williams, Damian Lewis, and Noah Fant. It's time to go back to the linebacker position. It's fitting. We just talked about the assistant linebacker coach, Josh Bynes, being hired to Seattle staff. Will he get a chance to work with Bobby Wagner, somebody who he has played against several times when he was with the Cardinals and the Ravens? Obviously, two guys that played more than a decade worth of NFL football, played a lot of snaps at the linebacker position. Will he get to take on that coaching role with Bobby Wagner? This really is one of the biggest questions for Seattle going into free agency, Rob, because on one hand, Bobby Wagner is going to be 34 years old this summer, and he is getting up there in terms of age, and yet he led the NFL in tackles this year. He had 183 of them. He was a second-team All-Pro, 11 tackles for loss, three-and-a-half sacks, made so many big plays for the Seahawks this year. The impact plays that maybe weren't there in his preseason with the Seahawks ultimately cut him. He made a lot of those plays last year. So you've got to balance those things. Is there still enough left in the tank that Bobby Wagner can play at a level that Mike McDonald's okay with in the middle? Or is this truly going to be time to turn a leaf? Let's get that youth movement going at this position. That really is the multi-million dollar question here for the Seahawks. No, it really is. And it just seems uh, impossible in some ways to, to imagine a scenario in which the Seahawks are going to be bringing back a, as you said, a 34-year-old linebacker, especially given the fact that you have a a new defensive-minded head coach who clearly is, um, you know, is prioritizing um, familiarity in terms of who he's already brought in at the linebacker coaches. You mentioned Kirk Olivadotti, who previously had worked with Mike McDonald uh, at the University of Georgia, and then obviously Josh Bynes, who, you know, not only did Mike McDonald coach, but, you know, like a free agent. You, you kind of referenced, uh, you know, that the Seahawks might be interested in the free agent market. Patrick Queen out there, I mean, that is who Josh Bynes played alongside of uh, and actually replacing Ray Lewis, a legend, of course, in Baltimore. So there, there's so many different reasons why the biggest one is age the second biggest one of course is is dollars um but it's also the idea that uh that the seahawks are likely going to want to just kind of turn the page um on bobby wagner and, and be able to start fresh and then you just watch the game tape of a year ago corbin where for the 10th consecutive year bobby wagner was voted either a first team or second team all pro as you referenced i mean he led the entire nfl with 183 tackles a season ago shattering the seahawks single season record he is the seahawks all-time uh you know largest 
all-time leading tackler. He does not actually have that number in terms of solo stops. Still, the the longtime legendary free safety Eugene Robinson has him by about thirty. Um, you know, and it's, but if you combine uh, solo stops with assisted, then Bobby Wagner is heads and tails above everybody else. Um, and, and so, it's just it's difficult to imagine a scenario again it's it's one of the real uh, million dollar questions of this offseason because on the one hand you think for sure the seahawks are going to be wanting to move on from a, a player of bobby wagner's age and obviously a player that pete carroll um you know would respected as much as anybody especially a guy who not only was he a phenomenal is he a phenomenal player but he also is a phenomenal man on and off the field i mean he was the recipient of the art rooney award this year the only the 10th recipient in nfl history the very first time a seahawk uh player has been so honored and the art rooney award for those who are wondering is for basically sportsmanship uh, on the field i mean that's exactly he, he embodies leadership he embodies uh in bobby's maybe um you know every Everything that that you want the Seahawks to to represent that that's Bobby Wagner to a T, and, and so it, it's difficult uh, to imagine a scenario in which he's not brought back. It's difficult to imagine a scenario in which the the team moves on if you look at it from uh, you know more of a non personal kind of a perspective. So that's why I think that this is going to be a fascinating decision. You know, Bobby Wagner basically earned uh, you know a five point five million dollar contract a year ago. He got another seven hundred fifty thousand dollar bonus because he made the Pro Bowl. If that's the type of contract that you're talking about, I, I think that it makes an awful lot of sense for Seattle to bring Bobby Wagner back because again his play remains stellar. But at the same time, I can also see him being one of those players. The Seahawks, if they truly are going to turn the page from players like a Wagner, a Jamal. Adams, a, a Tyler Lockett, some of the other kind of iconic players that have been on the Seahawks roster for the last four or five years, in the case of Wagner, last dozen, um, you know, then I think that is an easy one to kind of rip that Band-Aid off and move forward. Yeah, that's really going to be the tricky part about this, because I think when you look at Bobby Wagner's game, he proved this last year, and I know Seattle finished 31st in run defense, but I'm not blaming number 54 for that. Bobby Wagner was still an outstanding run defender most of last season. He had a few issues late in the year where he was getting caught up in blocks more than what we've seen before, but some of that is on your front line too. You got to be able to keep your linebackers clean. And Wagner was still really good at being able to move away from blocks, being able to free himself so he could make plays. I mean, you have to be to make the number of tackles that he had last year for the Seahawks. He's still able to get downhill. He's a very good blitzing linebacker. That has really been, I don't want to say a revelation, because he could do it early in his career. But in the twilight of his career now, that really has become a staple of his game, where he has become one of the better blitzing interior linebackers in the league. He gets after the quarterback. He posts a really high win percentage, three and a half sacks last year. He had six the year before with the Rams. So he can do a lot of damage in that regard. And one thing Baltimore liked to do, they weren't in the top five in blitzing percentage last year, but they still like to send guys. So that may be something that is appealing to Mike McDonald and Adam Durde and the rest of this coaching staff. Hey, he might not be the cover linebacker that he was, not anywhere close to what he was early in his career, but he's still extremely effective as a blitzer and he's a top tier run defender. So there's still some things there that you absolutely can quantify and say Bobby Wagner is still a top 10 linebacker, top 10 player at his position. But this is where I have a hard time seeing this being a situation where he is brought back. And it pains me because I still think he's a really good player. And maybe the Seahawks do re-sign him. But 
I think the Pete Carroll factor has to be considered here. I think Pete Carroll was a big part of him coming back last year because Pete Carroll was not happy when they moved on from Bobby Wagner to begin with. He loved to have number 54 out there. I'm just wondering with John Schneider now having full personnel control with Pete Carroll not being on board anymore. I just have a feeling that John Schneider and Mike McDonald has wanted those athletic linebackers, Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, the last few years together. I just have a feeling that at this point, Bobby Wagner, what he's great at and what his limitations are at this stage of his career, that that is not going to be a puzzle piece that matches well with what the Seahawks are going to want to do schematically and what they're wanting to do from a roster construction standpoint. And maybe I'll end up being wrong on that, but it's going to be difficult for me to be persuaded that this is going to be the right fit with this new coaching staff and with John Schneider now having all the keys to the roster building process. Yeah, I think that's really well put. Uh, you know, especially the, the is he a puzzle piece that, that actually fits? Um, you know, moving forward with the way that this roster is going to be constructed, both from a personnel standpoint, just his playing style, and then again the salary cap implications of bringing back a player like this. You you want to have some new leaders in the building, and Bobby Wagner is uh, you know the longest tenured Seahawk, of course, and then also the fact that um, uh, you know just the the natural leadership ability that he has always shown. So I think that uh, that makes an awful lot of sense. I, I, again, I'm fascinated by this decision. I, I do think that there is a possibility that Bobby Wagner returns into Seattle, and I would applaud that move just because, again, I don't know that there's a better, anybody, really. Uh, maybe Steve Larch and maybe Cortez Candy. But, I mean, there, there's a reason why those men were Hall of Famers. That's exactly the future of Bobby Wagner. If we have seen the last of his playing time as a member of the Seattle Seahawks, then, again, I don't know that, uh, that any player in the franchise's history has better embodied exactly what it means to be a Seattle Seahawk. And this is one of those decisions that makes me happy that I am a talking head here on a podcast and I am not in John Schneider's shoes because this would be very difficult for me because I still think Bobby Wagner, this is not one of those cases where you're saying this guy has truly lost a bunch of steps. He's not a good player anymore. And you know what? It stinks, but we got to move on. This is a much different situation. Bobby Wagner was a legitimate second team all pro last year. He is still a very good player if you maximize what his strengths are, and it does put some stress on your defense schematically because there are some limitations in coverage. So it's tough. This is not being disrespectful at all. If 54 is back, I would applaud it just like you. I just don't know that that fit is going to be there without Pete Carroll being the head coach and with all the changes going on. I'm going to be very fascinated to see what happens. Maybe, you know, if they have a hard time re-signing Jordan Brooks, they can't get a Patrick Queen. Then at that point, you say, look, Bobby Wagner might not be 28-year-old Bobby Wagner, but he's still better than most of the free agents that are out there. And his price point may be a more acceptable for Seattle's budget as well. So I would not write it off that he is gone. I just think it's going to be tough sledding for the Seahawks and Bobby Wagner to be able to rekindle this for another season just because of some of the factors I mentioned with the coaching staff and and John Schneider now being in full control. We shall see what happens. Up next, Mike McDonald only a few years ago, he was coaching the defense for the Michigan Wolverines. A few of his former players are going to be up for the NFL draft coming up in April. Which players could be good fits to add to McDonald's defense in Seattle? We'll be going over that next here on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. 
This episode is brought your way by FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150. If your bet wins, bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, such as who's going to make the first basket of the night. Live game, same game parlays, including Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, each scoring 25 points in the Warriors' first game out of the All-Star break. Exclusive props, such as how King James will score his 40,000th point and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Tuesday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Don't forget to check out Locked On's first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for your 24-7 coverage of the top sports stories of the day with local experts from Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Transitioning towards the draft, we've looked at free agency. We've looked at the coaching draft, the coaching staff. We've got the trifecta today. We are going to go back to the draft. And Mike McDonald coming to Seattle the last two years, he was the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. So this is not one of those instances where the Seahawks dipped into the college ranks to get their next head coach. And yet at the same time, it's only been three years since Mike McDonald's first season as a defensive coordinator came under Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. And here we are, McDonald coming to the Pacific Northwest. It's kind of an intriguing situation that is similar to Pete Carroll when he was coming from USC to become the Seahawks head coach, where he does have some intel since it was only a few years ago when he was coaching for one of college football's premier programs. And while I think that the offensive side of the ball is where Michigan has more firepower in this year's draft, That doesn't mean that there aren't some really fun defensive players that previously played for Mike McDonald and could be potential targets for the Seahawks come April. Yeah, there's several of them, in fact, Corbin, at least in my opinion. I think that, uh, you know, Michigan just set a record. They're going to have 18 players who were invited to the NFL scouting combine. That's the most in college football and NFL uh, scouting combine history. Um, and as expected, of course, is there, is there any national champions? But, you know, the, while the quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, or the running back, Blake Corum, you know, they get a bunch of the buzz for the Michigan Wolverines. The, on the defensive side of the ball, the, there are a couple couple of players who I think are going to earn top 100 selections in the draft. And, uh, and Mike McDonald, I think, is going to be very familiar with all of them. Um, I think that it's appropriate that uh, the, the player who I think is the actual best fit for the Seahawks plays the same position that we've that has basically dominated our show today. And that's the inside linebacker position in Junior Colson. This is a guy who's 6'2", 247 pounds. He's led the Michigan Wolverines and tackles each of the past two seasons. And he's that kind of traditional glass eating inside linebacker that you love i mean the the big tough physical guys that will knock people on their backside in the hole but he also has the speed to get sideline to sideline uh i think that his size suggests that he would be kind of that classic three four inside linebacker um that mike mcdonald of course has uh you know had so, so much great success um in baltimore and in previous stops as well um but again it's his speed that i think is going to be 
intriguing. And one of the reasons why I think that that uh, Colson is actually going to get a little bit more attention, I believe, from NFL teams that are much more varied in their past defenses, uh, in, in their defense just as in general, rather than those traditional 3-4 alignments. And I think he's going to wind up being one of the more sought-after rookie linebackers in this year's draft class. And he hasn't gotten as much uh, you know, NFL draft attention out there from from some of the the other media members but i'm telling you when you watch him on tape it is easy to see how his skill set translates to the nfl look i think chris jenkins a defensive lineman and he is the son of the former carolina panthers great defensive tackle chris jenkins um i I think that that jenkins jr so to speak is is going to wind up being the the first of michigan's defensive players to get drafted this year and certainly the most uh you know celebrated was mike samer still um who played at the nickel cornerback spot, had an interception national championship game against the Huskies. Those UW fans out there, they don't want us talking about these players. But for, for the same reason that we talked about before, Corbin, with um, the ties that Mike McDonald has with his former uh protege Josh Bynes the inside linebacker position and now of course one of his assistant coaches I think the ties to Ann Arbor could come to fruition on draft day as well and again Junior Colson the inside linebacker Chris Jenkins is the player I expect to go with first round and then Sandra still probably in that third to fourth round areas those three players in particular I think make an awful lot of sense for the Seahawks in the first three rounds of the 2024 NFL draft Every year, there's a handful of players that goes to Indianapolis and they transform themselves from day two picks into squarely day one selections. I think Junior Colson has a chance to be one of those players this year because I've been reading a lot of scouting reports. And here's the thing. I like to look and see what other people think about prospects, compare my notes and see, hey, this is what I'm seeing. And I think that that is worthwhile to do when you're looking at other people that really know football. But when I look at Junior Colson on tape, I see a guy that flies all over the field. And, oh, by the way, this year, the area he improved the most was in coverage, less than seven and a half yards per reception. PFF gave him a coverage grade above 80. The year before, he was in the mid-50s. So take those PFF grades for whatever you want. But I did see a player compared to the previous season that just looked more comfortable in coverage. And at 247 pounds, I mean, that is a traditional linebacker build. That's what you expected to see in the 80s and 90s, players in the mid-240s, low-250s, and he moves like he's in the low-230s. And so I think if he performs at the combine like I'm anticipating, I think he's going to run faster than people are expecting. I think he's just going to test really well. That is a player that with the college production that he's got, the accolades as an All-Big Ten player, that he shoots up draft boards, especially because this is not a very deep linebacker draft class. I think he's got a chance to be a player because of the lack of bodies at that position, and that's been a chronic issue in recent years with teams going to nickel and dime defense. There just is not as many of these guys. I think he's got a chance to potentially play his way into first-round discussion if he tests the way that I anticipate he's going to. As for Jenkins, that's another position we've talked about. It's kind of top-heavy. There's not a lot of depth in the defensive tackle, but we're talking about a 305-pound defensive tackle that can play multiple alignments. Didn't have great sack numbers necessarily, but he had 20 pressures this year. So this is a guy that's more than capable of collapsing the pocket, and I think he could be one of those players that in the NFL gets more sacks than what he did at the college level at Michigan. So he is another player I squarely look at as a second-round pick 
in part because they're slim pickings after the first handful of guys at that position. They're just not a lot of those big guys that can make plays. Chris Jenkins, though, is a very solid football player. So both those guys, I think, have a chance to be squarely day two picks, maybe in the case of Colson, sneak his way into the first round. Now let's get to our sleepers, because as I said, this is more of an offensive draft for Michigan, at least in my opinion, I think you would agree that more of the high picks are probably in the offensive side of the football. But there are a few guys on day three that I think are intriguing from a Seahawks perspective. Uh, first name I'm going to throw out, Jalen Harrell, who has been a starting edge rusher the last couple of years for the Michigan Wolverines. Now, I know that the knocks on this kid, some of them, they are flags that I even have down on my list. There's a reason I have a seventh round, maybe a sixth round grade at most on him. He's 242 pounds, not necessarily the prototypical edge. And if the Seahawks are going to be playing a 3-4 style defense and they're going to be looking for those bigger bodies, he probably doesn't fit. At the same time, we're talking about a player that had 30 pressures, six and a half sacks this past season. He's a better run defender than you would think. He plays bigger than his size. He fits that Michigan tough uh, characteristic that you're looking for. So I think Harold's a player on day three. Seattle does not need to invest an early pick at the edge position, but I think more depth at that spot would be really nice. I think late on day three that Jalen Harrell is absolutely a player that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and maybe even earlier than that, Corbin, because he is twitchy off the edge. Uh, he's an intriguing pass rusher, and this is not a draft class that has a lot of them. So I think that he could wind up going early. And I love the fact that we're extending this conversation to the day three candidates. Uh, you know, again, go back to when Pete Carroll was, uh, you know, first became the head coach um, for the Seahawks. The, the, the Seattle only drafted one player, um, you know, from that uh, from that USC team. And of course, it wound up being the Super Bowl MVP, um, but only drafted one player from those USC teams his first season in Seattle. Same thing here with Mike McDonald. It's not that I think that the Seahawks are necessarily going to focus just their top 100 selections in Michigan. I think that uh, perhaps an edge rusher like Braden McGregor who is 6'5", 267 pounds has that length and that size that physicality maybe to be a little bit more of a traditional run stuffing edge player for the Seahawks and then a linebacker that you and I both like actually I think is going to remind some people maybe of the aforementioned Josh Bond Five foot 11, 239 pound, just heat seeking missile. That is Michael Barrett. I mean, this guy has great instincts. He doesn't have the elite size and maybe won't test quite as well as, say, your junior Colson. I think Colson's going to wind up par- perhaps being a, a top 50 selection, maybe even in the four, in the first round, as, as you suggested is possible. Uh, with when I, when I see, uh, excuse me, Barrett, I, I see a player who's probably going to go in sixth, seventh round, but still he is the guy I think is going to carve out a long NFL career. Cause I think he's going to be absolute special teams demon and has the size, the fit or excuse me, the physicality and the open field tackling uh, accuracy that I think very few of the linebackers in this year's class possess Corbin. And that, that's why, again, I would not be surprised at all if the Seahawks do draft some players from uh, Mike McDonald's staff to, to go along with some of the players that, you know, were selected last year, including, of course, uh, you know, Mike Morris, who, you know, played a big role under Mike McDonald just a couple of years ago for the Wolverines. Yeah, Barrett is probably my favorite sleeper from this team, just in the sense that he was second on Michigan's roster in tackles last year. So this is not somebody that is hovering under the radar because he didn't have production. He's just kind of a sawed-off, shorter linebacker. I don't expect that he's necessarily going to blow things away testing, but you watch him on film, he's just a football player, and he brings the instincts. I like the comparison to Josh Pines. 
ironically with buys now being on staff, I could see him tugging a little bit. Like this is a guy that reminds me of me. I can coach him and he can be a really good player. It also has special teams ability. I also want to make sure we mention Makari page just because he's six, four over 200 pounds. And he's a, he's clearly a strong safety, not a guy where coverage is a strength, but you want to talk about a hammer for a safety. If you're looking for somebody like that, that can play special teams late on day three, Makari page is a guy that could be a lot of fun to develop in Seattle as well. As always, you can follow me on X and Threads at Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, we know most of Seattle's coaching staff at this point, and a lot of these guys are coming from other NFL teams. Who could be some potential free agents that would be good targets to join Mike McDonald's team and reunite with their current assistant coaches. We'll be breaking that all down on a jam-packed Wednesday episode that you won't want to miss. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, and thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.